I don't know whether you had experiences of planting something in your backyard. And, um, and I'm, I'm a city boy, so I have nothing. I know nothing about gardening or planting anything, not to mention farming. But my, my mother-in-law plants all these vegetables. I, I, I didn't think much of it. But whenever she brings a squash or, or cucumber, it's, it is organic. In other words, expensive stuff. So grateful to, to see that fruit. On the other hand, my third son, who's in middle school, sat there this science experiment that which light is most effective on growing things. And, and he was trying to grow these beans in different light. But it's not one light only, but nothing grew to a point, to a point that he was, and he's a passionate guy. Whenever he does things, he puts his heart, heart into it. So then once, one day, he just looked really gloomy. said, what's wrong, Seth? And then he wouldn't say much. And then Kate next to me said, oh, it's about the science experiment not going well. And then Seth was, it's all dead, Dad. <laughs> Nothing's growing. So we had to change the soil. We had to change the, the way that um, we plant the seed. And then uh, finally, to see the plants, even for me, it was such a joy. You see, Christian life is that way also too. As we do the routines of going to church, either reading the Bible and getting together for Christian events and church events, it all comes down to, is anything growing? Is there fruit? But ours, the generation that we could act like Christians without any fruits. It would be almost like going to gym every day to work out, and instead of working out and getting the fruits of your working out, sitting down, chatting with your friends all the time. And I'm here to remind not only our church, but every single one of you, that God has a purpose in our lives, for this bearing fruit. And then bearing fruit is nothing that we could do by our effort, but actually brings so much joy. And as Henry just read it, actually in fullness of joy, we could experience bearing fruit. Allow me to read the passage, one more time, John chapter 15. Beginning with verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, 
and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches, the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burnt. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. In order for us to cast a vision and what we call the spiritual direction, the Holy Spirit gives a direction for this year, for the entire church. And once again, if you are a Christ follower, this is very applicable for every single one of us. If you are not a believer yet, we welcome you. And we would love to see that you see the vision that is just for you as well in following Christ. I want to keep this vision very straight and simple and clear for us. So we're asking three questions this morning. Number one is, why is it so important to bear fruit? And number two, how do we know if we are bearing fruit? What are the telltale signs of bearing fruit? And then lastly, how do we bear much fruit? The reason why we want to put the how-to at the very end, unless we're convinced about not only importance but attraction and, and the benefits of bearing fruit, we will not want to, and we will be superficial in our application. So let's start with, why is it so important? There are at least four. Let me begin with this. Jesus said in verse 8, it is a proof of discipleship. In other words, proof of being a true Christ follower. So as I mentioned in the beginning, it doesn't matter what we do in terms of religious activities. Unless we bear fruit, we're not true Christ follower. So prove to be my disciples, Jesus said. And number two, without it, we are taken away from Jesus, the true vine. 
If there is no fruit, the vine dresser, the father, takes the branches that do not bear fruit, and he takes it away. According to verse 6, we know that this is not just a, a figure of speech of simple disciplines. It refers to judgment. The branches are gathered and put it into fire to be burnt. The question that came, comes up in a superficial way of thinking theologically, we run into the problem. I thought once we are saved, we cannot lose salvation. The eternal security of believer. Well, you know, uh, my theology says the same thing. But we will take a look at this passage and deeper meaning just in a bit. But I just want to throw it out there. If there is no fruit, we're taken away from Jesus. It is a warning, clearly. And number three, fruit bearing is not a side issue, but it is the purpose and natural result of our union with Christ. And later in that John 15, Jesus said actually, I have chosen you to bear much fruit. Selection, God's election for each one of us as God's children is to bear fruit as well. And finally, with fruit, and God is glorified. So, one of the very simple things that we would like to practice at Crossway in this man-centered world, including man-centered churches, we want to become and continue to lead God-centered church and God-centered Christian life. What does that look like? The glory of God becomes the center of everything, forefront of everything, the end of everything. As a matter of fact, the chief end of every human being, the purpose of life is to glorify God and enjoy Him. Enjoy His love and His, His presence, fellowship with us forever. So let's not take that for granted. Unless we took it the other way around. Unless we bear fruit, we don't glorify God. So at this point, I want to share how I've been led by the Spirit to discern this spiritual direction, the vision for our church this year. Our church has been striving hard, following up the Scripture, becoming a prayer-full church, Spirit-dependent church, in a way that... Um, our church has been very difficult church to join because there's a lot of high commitment. And our friends come and still remember saying a lot of good things.
but they don't, they don't stay. And one of them actually said, uh, that crossway story that every member does, I don't think I could do it. That's, that's the reason I'm not coming to crossway. <laughs> and then we do, we have a common meal every day. Today, also, uh, having lunch together. A church is not in provide with the budget. Every family takes turn to rotate. The same thing with a home group. When they meet for a home group gathering, there is a dinner by rotating uh, the responsibility of bringing food. In children's ministry, uh, sitting in a class, an assisting teacher, every parent does that too. So I am really proud of our church, every member in our church, for hard work. But unless there's fruit, we might be missing the point. So I'm forcing this church to be fruitful, much fruitful this year. And this is a God-given passion and dream, not only for our church people, but each one of you who are Christ followers. So what we call the spiritual direction statement for our church, and our, uh, every member has that for this year, personal spiritual direction statement as well. But here is our church spiritual direction statement. Crossroads vision, in other words, spiritual direction for 2016 is to bear fruit in fullness of joy by abiding in Jesus. Before I share how, let me go one more. Sorry about that. Let me go one more on the question on what are the telltale signs of one who is bearing fruit? Or should we say, what are the telltale signs of the church, a church, that bear fruit? And here is the point that I need to bring the context of this passage uh, a bit. What is fruit? What is Jesus talking about divine? As a matter of fact, verse 1 said, I am the true vine. Does that mean there's a false vine? For Westerners like us, in today's world, this seems to be very irrelevant. Uh, just an analogy, a farming analogy or you know, metaphors. But typical Jews... In Jesus' time, caught the meaning right away. Because Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 5, and Jeremiah, and Hosea, the vine was mentioned every time the nation of Israel was described. In other words, the nation of Israel is chosen people, God's people, and they were the vine. 
But instead of bearing fruit, they went astray and became a fruitless vine. And Jesus comes and says, look at this, New Testament, a new covenant Jesus bringing is actually not the new thing, complete new thing, but completion of what God has been doing. God is basically saying, my son will be the true vine. Anyone who belongs to him will be true people of God. And you will experience full, whole salvation in that vine. How is that possible? Because we are branches. And you just imagine the branches are apart from the vine. No matter how, how much branches try and have a noble intention, branches cannot bear fruit by itself. And what is the fruit? When you are abiding, remaining in Jesus, the fruit is a manifestation, manifestation of Christ living in us. So the fruit is actually much broader than something simplistic. For example, some commentaries will say, because of Isaiah talks about God's looking for truth in Israel, and there is no justice. So you fail to bear fruit. And there is no righteousness. So someone, some commentator, well-meaning commentator said, Look at it. It's very simple. Truth is justice and righteousness. Yes, but that's not all. Because when you think about the, all the nutrition and life-giving source of God and God's nature, God's character, is not just the justice and righteousness, but love, joy, and peace, and gentleness, and kindness, and mercy, Forgiveness. Okay, and then another extreme would be saying, oh, it's all about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but it's not really about reaching the lost and helping the poor at all. No, if Jesus would be here, what would he be doing? What would be his character and passion What makes his heart leap for joy? What breaks his heart? That is the source of Jesus living in us. And bearing fruit is living out the life, the kind of life that Jesus would live. So it's not just the evangelism and converts, new converts. It's not just the Holy Spirit's uh, spirit in inner character, but it is everything that emerges out Jesus living in us freely and he expresses his passion and desire and his love and, and his character in every direction. That is the fruit. Hence, when we're fruitful, the word is not self-actualization. That's a man-centered way of looking at 
human development, at the top of it. But Jesus is pointing to us. So when we are living in the vine and abiding, we will see Christ-likeness. In our families, in our conversations, in our work, in everything that we do and we are, we will show Christ-likeness. Number two, because fruit-bearing is preceded by abiding in Christ through His Word, if you remain in me, my word remain in you. And our obedience, if you obey my commandments, you abide in my love. A fruit-bearing person experiences answered prayers. If you abide in me, in my, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So a theological word for this abiding is actually mutual indwelling with Christ. Intimate union. The closest thing that we could get is when a husband and wife not only are getting along well, but physically, sexually, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, they're one. So husband begins to dream. That, begin, that dream becomes wife's dream. And then each other, I mean, I'm not saying that this is, happens every day, are thinking the same thoughts and finishing each other's sentences. That's oneness. So in, in this sense, when Jesus is saying, what, ask whatever you wish. Oh, I could ask for BMW. <laughs> New house. Would Jesus ask for those things if I am one with Christ? Obviously, this is asking in God's will. God's will is not anything dirty and anything so, so, so severely painful at all. God's will is the perfect goodness for our lives. When we ask that, one clear, powerful evidence, we will experience answered prayers. At Crossway, one of the affirmation, God's favor on us, so, so many prayers have been answered. And one of them is my brother's. My brother who is just about a couple of years older than me, who's also a pastor and had a brain disease, incurable disease, where as we prayed, his one-year sentence was gone away because the infection stopped. And we have cancer, loved ones who had cancer. God has miraculously, even our brother Brian has been restored and he's going back to going back to school, uh, going back to his university for work, and now he's in Japan traveling. There's so many prayers that answer. 
Have you ever experienced answered prayer? The people next to you will say, oh, that's really coincident. But those of us who have experienced answered prayer, this is undeniable evidence of God is hearing our prayer. And as we speak, there's ongoing prayer needs for my brother who who had to go to ER and we're waiting for the results, but why he's discharging blood. But I'm confident that God's mercy is there, and he hears, and he knows much more than what I think it is good. So Christ-likeness and answered prayer, thirdly, Because bearing fruit requires abiding in Jesus' love. A fruit-bearing person knows Jesus' love experientially in everyday life. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, that's a good theology. Right? But in an experience, everyday living... If you do not experience Jesus' love in an everyday life, that's very, very mechanical, boring life. John fourteen twenty one, Jesus said, Whoever has my commandment and keeps them, he is the one I love. And he will be loved by my Father also, and I will manifest myself to him. What do you think that means? If we keep his commandments and abiding him, his father, God the Father loves us as well, and he will disclose himself personally, experientially to us. And there are moments that we could intently feel Jesus' love, caring love, presence love, comfort, mercy. Not just because the Bible says so, but because we experience it. So fruit-bearing person, how do we know we fruit-bear? We will show more Christ-likeness in every direction. We'll experience answered prayer, and we will experience Jesus' love experientially. And fourthly, because fruit-bearing brings Jesus' joy in us, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, A fruit-bearing person grows to experience fullness of joy. Experiencing Jesus' joy as my joy, our joy. If we read superficially, read that passage superficially, and my confession is I have also, it could sound like this. We could misread it this way. Jesus is a good person. I want to be joyful. 
I want to be happy. And he helps me to increase my joy. No, the passage does not say that. Jesus says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will experience my joy. Whatever you experience and it's joyful, it will be my joy. And you will see the pleasure of mine in what you are enjoying. And that is why our joy can be maybe full. The fullness of joy can be there. I am here this morning to stir you, your hearts as well as mine. The Jesus whom we believe and we trust in. A not theoretical and conceptual God out there who kind of gives us some good advice to how to be a good husband and wife and how to be a good dad, how to be a good wife, how to be a good citizen. But Jesus is the one who actually walks closely beside us. He's not only our Savior, but He's our friend. And as we walk with Him closely, we will experience the very joy that Jesus has whenever we do abide in Christ. And my heart is stirred. In my uh, solitude and silence day, as I'm hearing the direction, there's so much of excitement and anticipation in me. Not because we're going to experience church growth and numerical growth. Not at all. Actually, I'm a little worried about people coming to our church. <laughs> so much work. But to know the real Christianity, the first century Christianity that sang joyful, worshipful songs at the Colosseum when the lions and bears and wild animals come to just tear them apart, or when as they're set on fire. And they called each other brothers and sisters. And they practiced that mutual love so vividly. The outsiders misunderstood when they married each other. Thought that there was an incest going on. Why? Because it was not an impersonal Jesus out there, whoever you are. But Jesus who is living, a risen Savior who's alive, who is fully God, sharing his joy with us. And I hope, whether you are a Crossway Church member or visiting with us this morning, 
you will begin to sense and hear the voice of God nudging you, calling you to bear fruit. There is a reason why we, our statement says uh, to bear fruit in fullness of joy rather than to abide in Jesus, which is the, what we ought to do, right? But abide in Jesus is almost like a going to, I said, I'm going to start working out. And there is no fruit whatsoever. What are you doing in the gym? Oh, I take a shower and I go into the jacuzzi and I sit here and watch television, good games are there. But what if I say, my blood pressure is going down. I feel healthier, more alive, and more energy. That is true, true fruit, isn't it? I think one, one of the most, should I say, unhappiest people on earth. Christians who do not have joy. There's so much of guilt and burdens of dutifulness, but there is no joy. Brothers and sisters, come, taste the joy of Jesus, abide in Him, so you may know the Christian life is full of joy and excitement. So that leads us to the, our final question. How do we become much fruitful this year? Number one, we are to expect and submit to pruning as a part of healthy fruit-bearing process. And then this is the time that Henry will say, oh no, there goes pain again, <laughs> suffering again. <laughs> See, the way of the cross is foolish, foolishness to those who are perishing. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, but to us who are being saved, it is a power of God. There is a paradoxical truth in here. In verse 2, listen to this. I am the true vine, and my father is a wine dresser, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. Two things that vine dresser that God the Father does is one is judgment. Some, some people who are troubled by this will translate the pruning, I mean the, the taking, taking away, the Greek root word, you could translate it as lift up. So lift up so that it's not really taken away, literally. But lift up. But if you look at verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and, that, and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So, what is, what's going on in this passage? 
Like Judas was not a true branch that belonged to, belonged to Jesus at all in the beginning. He was not a true believer. Like the weeds are separated from the wheat. There are people who are hanging around, even in church. And they do not bear fruit. And that means there's no life of Jesus there. That is scary, but very much of a truthful word from Jesus. And some of, some of our, my friends were saying, um, knowing that I'm a pastor and the conversation about church going, and said, so, oh, we're on a vacation. We're taking a break right now. And I said, oh, yeah, you could take a break, but don't take a break from God. Because if you belong to Jesus, if you belong to God, it's an inseparable relationship. If you don't have a desire, and your sin abides in you, you're completely fine to to stay away from Jesus. And as, as as a brother, as a person who cares for you, and as a truthful pastor, I would Contend with you. You should reconsider about your Christian life, whether you are truly a Christian. The famous uh, words of Keith Green, late Keith Green, who said, uh, just as that you go to McDonald's every day, you don't become Big Mac, just because you go to church, that doesn't become a true Christ follower. Christ follower. For those of us who are very sure that we belong to Christ, we have experienced fruit bearing, but in yet experience this pruning. Let's be mindful that pruning is not punishment. That's why it's difficult to take. God, what do you want from me? I've been doing all this, I'm reading scripture and trying to obey and trying to go to men's group, women's group. All these trials are happening to me. Why? You're so mean to me. The purpose of pruning to shape us. God's loving cultivation. See? Judgment is cutting off the branch and taking it away. Pruning is cutting back. Once again, I'm not a farmer. I'm a son of a farmer. I have nothing. I know nothing about farming and uh, growing a vineyard. Um, but according to the, the farmer's especially in Northern California, when you, when you drive through that, the pruning season, it looks horrible. Maybe some of you already know what that looks like. Because it cuts back. A lot of things are cut, cut back. But in that season, fruit-bearing season comes, so glorious transformation happens. 
do you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now? Especially those of you who are very resentful and putting one arm away, pushing away God because God has disappointed you. And there are hard stuff in your life. The choice is yours and mine. Will I resent and resist pruning process of our loving Father that I'm experiencing right now? Or will I trust in God's sovereign purpose and joyfully submit? Yes, submit to pruning process. And all around the scripture, these thought is very, very clear. If you just think deeply, it makes so much sense. Because when, when you think about your, your, your child, a five-year-old child, wakes up in the middle of the night at 11.30, 12 o'clock, he's screaming for ice cream or candy bar. And then you say no. And you even discipline because of tantrum. And then the, the child is yelling, you are a bad father. You are a bad mother. I hate you. We chuckle at that. But we could do the same thing. Listen to some of these passages. First one is Hebrews 4, verse 12. One of the pruning is listening to the scripture. And there is a contradiction of our lives and our, our thoughts and our values and whatever we thought and then God's word sharpens us, it cuts us for the word of God Hebrews 4.12 is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing the division of soul and of spirit of joints and, and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart was there a time that you didn't like what you're reading? As you're meditating, you're applying. This is hard. I don't like it. That's a pruning that God is doing. Oh, I have to forgive that person? I, 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 ah, I can't think of that. Will you forgive as I have forgiven you? It is my right to be angry at all these incompetent people at work. It is my right as a parent to yell at my children because they don't listen to me. And the nudging of the spirit is that I want you to be gentle. gentle. That's my application, right? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago I, in my sermon I said I sometimes watch myself outside of body this guy is yelling at my kids. What is wrong with you, Paul? That's, that's kind of a strange thing going on, right? And then as I'm sitting down, the scripture will say, meekness, gentleness, dying to self. Second scripture, James 1 Two to four, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet 
trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Once again, let's not do the superficial reading. The passage is not saying, just hang in there until the sunshine comes up. Just, you know, endure. We sometimes read it that way, right? Count it all joy. Welcome it. See God's purpose in it. it. Because of this cutting, because this is sharpening on me, that God is glorified and more fruit in me. Help me understand. Help me see what I do not see right now physically. If I don't see these things, help me trust in your sovereign grace on the things that I do not understand. I don't know about you, but when you try to comfort some people who are in pain, and you begin to realize your attempt of comfort is so shallow, you're ashamed of yourself. I, I oftentimes feel that way when I visit my brother. My love language is food. So he, he, he used to be a really, like a food artist. I'm, I'm a just, I love any kind of food. I eat a lot. He would be very choice. So he, one that he likes is a Persian food, a special kind of Persian food. And I bring it and try to comfort him. But in our conversation, I feel dumbfounded at times because I sense peace in spite of his speech impediment, in spite of the fact that he can't use right hand anymore. There's a peace. There's a tears of joy. And I come away feeling comforted. How is that possible? Because of this. My brother is shaped in a way that God is embracing him. We could do that too. One more. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 7 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines one he loves, chastises every son, son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is testing, treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So, with this crowd this size, I know there are people who are going through a tough time. Maybe it's loved one, your loved one, like mine. 
who is very important and special in your heart and going through very terrible disease. Maybe you're going through tough financial problems. Your marriage is under rock. Your children have some developmental problems, learning disabilities. Would you see the the vine dresser who is kind and loving, who created heavens and earth, who is sovereign, which means he could do whatever he wants to do and whatever he does is good because of his character. Would you trust him? Would you turn away from your resentment and hear the gentle beating of the Holy Spirit? Come, my son, my daughter. Come to me. Rest in my sovereign purpose. I love you. I prune because I desire your happiest, joyous life. In my glory, as you bear more fruit. There are two more. Let me speed up just a little bit. Number two, we are to realize and acknowledge that we can do nothing apart from Jesus. This is the part that is very difficult. Sometimes because the linear thinking in our Western world, Jesus says, abide in me. I want you to bear much fruit. But there's nothing I c- you can do apart from me. Wait a minute. I'm a very competent person. I could do a lot of things. Yes, Jesus is not uh, unaware of those facts. We could do many things apart from Jesus. We could play sports. Uh, we could raise our children. We could volunteer for helping the needy. And yes, even pastoring or church we could do apart from Jesus. You know what that would look like though? Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing in bearing spiritual fruit. That is a scary thought. You do so many things dutifully in your own effort serving the church and doing volunteering for this and that and reading the Bible and trying to be better Christian here and there. But apart from Jesus, all those things do not bear single fruit. The reason why we want to do church not in a man-centered way, but God-centered way, is that I realized, I learned it hard way through my dark times of my middle life. And as we were doing this church, it became a really slowest, maybe the slowest going, growing church in Orange County. I used to belong to one of the fastest growing church in Southern California. But if pastoring 
and doing all kinds of good intention things and on my own effort apart from Jesus bears nothing. So unless we become truly convinced that apart from the vine even I am trying my best I can't do nothing apart from Jesus. And then we're going to pay attention what that will look like. You see, accomplishment is what we do, what we, at the end result of our effort. Fruit, we have no claim whatsoever because fruit comes from the vine. The final thought, number three, we are to abide in Christ by being actively dependent on Jesus through his word and our obedience for fruitfulness. Verse four, listen to this. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Of course, abiding in Jesus has these two common pitfalls. One is trying to do everything on your own. As I mentioned, we already covered that. But on the other side, there's a being nearly passive. Oh, there's nothing I can do, so I'm going to just wishfully wait. No. Living by grace requires activity. Not to earn the merit, but being actively dependent. And there are several things that we could be actively about. Well, number one, more than anything, have you ever prayed this, this prayer? God, help me bear more fruit. As your pastor, I'm charging you all throughout this year. We're going to pray that God will give us more fruit. We're going to actually pray, God, prune us in, the way, in such a way that all those obstacles will be falling away. God, we pray for salvation of these lost, I mean, unbelieving friends. We pray for these loved ones in our families who do not know Jesus Christ. And we fight for joy in Scripture every morning. Not because every morning it becomes a sweet sugar and honey to us automatically, but because we know that nutrition comes from Jesus. Of all the things that I just mentioned, what comes to your mind? Let me bring back this to point about really abiding in, in Jesus is fuller's salvation, experiencing God's God's salvation fully because of triune God modeling that what that's 
whole life looks like. And because of that, we experience fuller life. Just imagine that. God the Father is passively. If my son comes to me, maybe I'll honor him and show him. But unless he comes to me. No, there is an eagerness in God the Father embracing. Listen to my son. He is beloved. The son comes to the father. I glorify. There's nothing I do apart from my father. Holy Spirit lifts up the name of Jesus. We're talking about active persons, three persons in one essence. This is what true, perfect human, uh, the community looks like. Love is active. Hudson Taylor, who is a, a famous missionary in China, who, who founded a China Inland Missions, and later on became Overseas Missionary Fellowship, OMF. He's known for the peop- as a person who, is, who carries this tranquility of any news. The bad news, he's not shaken by it. And the secret is in John 15 for him. He writes, The branch of the vine does not worry and toil and rush here to seek for sunshine and there to find rain. No, it rests in uni- union and communion with the vine and the, at the right time and in the right way is the right fruit found on it. Let us so abide in the Lord Jesus. Did you, did you see that? At the right time, the right way, instead of w- waiting and imp- being impatient about what the Lord is doing, And it seems like there's nothing happening from our point of view. Let's be patient. Let's trust Him. In closing, I want to dream with you. In my solitude and silence day, I journaled about this. And uh, as I'm writing this, I was really excited about what the Lord will be doing in our church. And I wrote at the end of the journal, the fruit bearing looks like this this year for us. Made a long list. I'm going to give you some samples of it and I'm going to ask all those who belong to Crossway to pray this with me, to dream this with me. Number one, let's joyfully submit to God's pruning through the word and trials. And we, we pray for the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our inner character, showing more Christ-likeness. Let's envision together fruit of 
are real transformation and breakthroughs in ourselves, in our marriages, in our families, in our kids, in our parenting, and in our home group communities, in men's and women's communities as well. Let's envision together fruit of abiding in Jesus by loving one another. I need to mention it really quickly. The Old Testament commandment is love your neighbor. And the new covenant I give it to you, love one another as I have loved you. So often we, we could superficially read, the only difference is Jesus gave the example. Love your neighbor as I loved you. No. If you look at that whole salvation is reflection of Father and Son and Holy Spirit residing and loving one another together. So the key difference, not only as Jesus has loved us, is a loving one another. When we love one another, we will see Jesus and Father and the Son and Holy Spirit loving one another in community. Full salvation looks like that. So let's pray that our loving one another shows that fruit of God as a people of God. And let's together envision fruit of obedience in loving the least and the lost and the last of our world. We have merely started a local outreach and some of you guys already went to Foot Bank on Friday and some of you uh, others will go to Shipfold which is the shelter for abused children and moms. In our obedience and participating in our overseas missions supporting Wade and Helen and Boy and Cindy and Bob and Grace and praying for the unreached people group. Let's envision together the fruit of our active dependence on Jesus through the word and prayer that Jesus' joy becomes ours, experiencing fullness of joy as well. My prayer for our church for this year is that that we will experience this Jesus joy through fruit bearing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the picture of a triune God mutually indwelling and loving and honoring and doing good to each other in perfect harmony and holiness. Jesus, thank you that you are the true vine and we want to belong to you to reflect that salvation, that real transformation. We acknowledge and confess that we can do nothing apart from you. I pray for my brothers and sisters at Crossway and for those of you or people who are visiting with us, that you will empower them and guide them and guide us to bear much fruit in this year in fullness of joy as church and as Christ follower. I pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit.
Amen.